Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. You're listening to an episode of STR Conversations, hosted by myself, Jasper Rivers, and Eric Muller. Every Friday, we release a new episode where Eric and I have an organic conversation and discuss what's happening in the short-term rental industry and share what we're learning in our hosting businesses and through working with the thousands of students that go through our coaching programs. So this episode is brought to you by Legends X, our 90-day short-term rental accelerator program that's designed to help you skill your hosting business by getting you out of the daily operations so you can free up your time and become the CEO of your business instead of the manager and that allows you to focus on high-level tasks that really move the needle in your business and allow you to grow. And we do that by giving you the systems and teaching you how to build a team so you can actually delegate all those lower-level tasks. So for more information about Legends X and how to join, visit strlegends.com slash X. That is strlegends.com slash X. You are listening to an episode of SDR Conversations of the Get Paid for Your Pad podcast hosted by Jasper Rivers and Eric Miller. So let's dive in. Get paid for your pad. 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 Welcome, everybody. Today, my special guest is Mr. Kent. He charges premium rates by hosting bachelorette parties out of Scottsdale. We're going to dive into this topic, talk about how he keeps his business safe, because, you know, those typically people are a bit worried about parties, but he's focusing on it. So that's really interesting. So, Kent, excited to have you on the show, man. Welcome. Thank you, Jasper. This is like almost a dream come true. I started listening to you about a year ago and it still feels so surreal. My wife and I always joke about, hey, what if we got on these podcasts and talked about our business? Like that would be crazy. And long story short, it manifested itself. And thank you so much for the opportunity today, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, being on the show. G- give us a quick background on on your business and how you got started. Yeah, absolutely. So we, like many people, kind of fell into short-term rentals where we started reading a lot of real estate books. We learned a lot about short-term rentals and the cash flow it can provide. And this really fit into our goals. So to give you a little bit of story about our upbringing is I was born into a two-bedroom apartment with nine people. And I knew that from the day my mom, when we first got affordable housing unit, she was in tears because it changed our family's life forever. Meaning we got to move to a place with a safe neighborhood, low crime, good schools. And long story short, it provided me and my brother a huge opportunity and also all of our friends to basically have an opportunity to get educated and really carve out a path for our lives. So we went into the, your typical nine to five corporate America job, did a few things in hospitality, including running a restaurant. But ultimately we fell into short term rentals. We actually decided to learn how to underwrite properties very effectively and learning how to create a great guest experience with from a podcast like yours. And we decided to buy a property in Scottsdale, Arizona last year. Based on the data that we looked in the market, we found that there was a huge demand for bachelorette parties and girls trips. So we decided to cater to that business specifically. So we decided to 
buy a property uh, on the market last year in August for about $800,000. We put in about $126,000 into it. And we were able to force the value up to 1.15 million. So we were able to kind of refinance it, pull all the cash back out. And that here we are. We, I was able to leave my job a few months ago because of the cash flow this property was providing for us so that we can go full on, all in, full time in real estate so that we can continue to grow our short term rental portfolio and use the cash flow from the short term rentals to fund affordable housing mission here for social workers, nonprofits and EMTs. So that's kind of like our story in a uh, nutshell. That's awesome, man. And congrats. It sounds like you've seen success very quickly. Yeah. I, and it's we feel very lucky. I remember you had an episode about deciding when to quit your job and when to not quit your job. And one of your key messages, was, you just got to do it because there's never going to be a good time to do it. And <laughs> thankfully, I have a, such a supportive wife that she's like, she's the one that really motivated me and said, there's never going to be a good time to leave. So you might as well do it now after we just kind of proved out this model. This is truly our passion. We want to give back to the community and leaving your job will allow you to create the headspace you need to focus on that in the future. So yeah, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, quitting a job, you, you never really feel ready for it, right? But how was, how was that so experience scary. for you? Was it Was it scary? It was scary. And it's still scary because every day you are forced to think about like, how am I going to work on a business? What else am I going to do? And that's okay. And I think for people out there that are still thinking about it, I think once you have some of your finances in order and you feel like you have a good runway of at least like six months of reserves for expenses, like take the leap because if you're, you've been a good employee, chances are the company will take you back. So really the worst case scenario is not the worst case scenario. And I'm yeah. hoping like I can be a good example, just like yourself or other people that are thinking about leaving the jobs to do real estate full time. It's very, very possible. I just started this a year ago and I hope like people can realize like, Hey, you're not that far behind in the past. Sometimes when you think about real estate, you see people buying apartment complexes. You're like, I'm never going to get there, but I'm just a regular guy. And I just started last year. So anyway, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I, I remember a quote from Steve Jobs is I can't remember the exact quote, but he said mm -hmm. something along the lines of like, when you when you reach a certain amount of success, like that's when you realize that the older people that you used to look up to, they're actually not really that much smarter than yourself. You know what I mean? So it's, uh, exactly. it's definitely it's definitely inspiring. I want to I want to talk about your your properties. You completely focused on the the bachelorette niche, right? Which I think for anybody who's listening, if you're if you're still looking to start out. Highly recommend that you follow in Kent's footsteps and pick a niche, right? Because there's there's so many properties in Airbnb these days that you really have to focus on a specific niche to to be successful. And your your properties look look amazing. I love the how it's themed towards girl parties. So there's a lot of pink, there's a lot of there's a lot of light blue, and there's like it's very vibrant. I love the titles. I'll just read them right now. Le Soleil, Beauty Bar, Peloton, Seven Minutes to Old Town. And the other one is a Girls Trip at Spa de Soleil, Heated Spa, Peloton. And I see one, one of your first pictures on the Airbnb listing is the picture of a pool. And there's a wall behind it and has a quote. It says, what matters most is who you're with. Which I think is really smart because I can imagine if you're you know, if you're on a bachelorette party, then that's that's really a, something that you feel, right? It's like, oh, it's it's fun being together. It's really about who we're with right now. So, yeah, tell us uh, a little bit more about 
how do you create, what does it take to create like a unique experience for a group, like a bachelorette party? Yeah. And I think I might start with just like recognizing that there's a demand. I think when I first started listening to a few podcasts where we heard people say, Hey, you got to screen up parties, ask some questions. And for example, if they say, Hey, this house would be so great for my bachelorette party, then people were actually recommending people to not allow them to book your, your groups, like to, to book at your house for the bachelorette party. And that's how I recognized there was a need. And then I dug into the data and some more. And when I looked at all the reviews for some of the top 200 properties in Scottsdale, Arizona, you can look up keywords like family or girls or bachelorette trip. And I saw that 40% of all the reviews for the top 200 properties actually mentioned girls trip, bachelorette or girls. It's just like some keywords in there. So that told me that there was significant demand in that market for the girls trip sort of avatar to kind of use some of your language there. So we, I was also working in corporate America at that time. And I talked to a bunch of coworkers who were like, Hey, we keep getting denied because we tell people that we're trying to host a girl's trip or bachelorette party. So that's how I knew exactly that there was a niche. So in order to create demand, we actually partnered with a designer who was referred to us by our realtor, Nicole Patton. Lindsay Peterson Collections is a designer that we use for our homes. And she has had already significant success with bachelorette themed properties. So we decided to engage with her and really just kind of gave her our vision. We said we want it to be a nice open space, lots of things for people to do, lots of different areas for people to gather so that they really spend their time not on a TV, not on their phone, but really engaging and talking with each other so that they can really cherish that time. And that model that we came up with, it really came from a quote from our childhood because we didn't come from a very wealthy family we always remind ourselves amongst the friends that it's not about where you're at. It's always about who you're with. And we just translated that and carried that forward to the homes there where in the last couple of years, there's just so much hate, so much divisiveness. This is the time for us to remind people that what matters most is just who you're with and just let people to live in that moment. And that's such a great experience for people to have at our homes. And it's so incredibly fulfilling. Mm -hmm. So we learned from your podcast, Jasper, where we said the guest experience matters the most. So we do. And we go above and beyond by making sure that when our guests walk in, guess what they're going to do? They're going to have their phones out. They're going to be recording as they walk into the home. So we do, we get really down in details. We tell our cleaners to make sure that on a day of check-in, we go in there, do an inspection, make sure things are in good shape. There are no fallen leaves in the backyard and make sure the neon sign is even plugged in so that when they come in, it's already plugged in. It's not like a dead space where they have to go plug in that neon sign just to kind of feel the vibe when they kind of come into the home. So that's how we really curated experience, work finding and making sure that there was a demand for it in the data, working with a designer has demonstrated success. And then finally, over-delivering on expectations by making sure all these little details are kind of taken care of for, I guess, as soon as they walked in. You know, I'm going for your photos right now, and uh, I think you did a really good job with the design. I'm curious about the Peloton bike. Because I'm, I'm thinking like when, you know, I imagine like a group of girls on a party, have some drinks, chill by the pool. Do they actually use that peasant bike? They do. I've actually gotten some comments and feedback back from guests like, oh, yeah, can you send me an up-close photo of the Peloton pedals to make sure, so I know I'm bringing the right shoes for it. And we wow. made sure that we got the toe cage in there so that it's reversible. You can either bring your own Peloton shoes or you can wear sneakers for it. Just so that it's one less thing for guests to worry about. And we also got one of these ideas from your podcast. I remember one of your podcasts, you talked about Peloton and one of the guests mm -hmm. said, guests or houses from Peloton to get about 15% more in revenue. And I was like, so 
And so thank you for that inspiration. But this has also helped us attract the type of guest avatar, the people that love and enjoy working out and the people that uses the Peloton as well. And I think for the most part, a lot of our guests comes from the East and West Coast, also around Texas and also some in Canada. So that's really a majority where our guests kind of travel from whenever they're visiting our home. Right. One of the things that really stands out is, I think it's a makeup bar. Or that's, <laughs> that's how I would describe it. But tell us a little it, bit about that. It's a makeup bar. And I think one of the biggest things you hear about from a group of girls going on a girls trip is like the number of bathrooms that's available because they want to get ready. They need the mirrors and stuff like that. So if you don't have five bathrooms, what's the best way for everyone to kind of get ready at the same time so we can all get out of the house at the same time for dinner? A beauty bar is kind of like the best hybrid solution there where you set up a station where four girls can kind of get ready at once. We positioned that beauty bar strategically in one of our homes to be next to the bathroom. So you can kind of just like have the really simple streamlined flow of traffic as you're going to the bathroom, as you're coming back out and kind of get ready and stuff like that. So that's, um, that's it's smart, absolutely, man. absolutely a, a showstopper there. Wow. <laughs> I'm impressed that you as a man understand these things so well. Well, I have a great wife. She, <laughs> she understands the, the mindset <laughs> of like girls going on girl trips. I've seen her go on bachelorette trips as well. And when they come back and just talk about like different problems that they face when they stay at the Airbnb, you're just like, okay, let me solve that problem when, when the time comes for our own listing. And yeah. you just got to listen to your customers, right? All the time. Yeah. Another quote that I really love, I see it on the wall here. She said, yes, we said Scottsdale. Yes. I asked my wife, I was like, what do you think about it? She's like, oh, that's cute. And I was like, all right, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Even like a foosball table, I see. And what's that other game? That, Shuffleboard? What's called. Shuffleboard, yeah. Yeah, shuffleboards are really popular. And I think it's also more economical use of your space versus a pool table. I also didn't like the idea of a pool table. I'm not sure like how other people like manage. I'm sure people put drinks on the pool tables all the time. And I feel like they just spill. So we've been really smart about picking things to include our home that we can keep clean. For example... We have these like Yeti wine tumblers because we needed a very fancy cup, but also to be stainless steel because we recognize that on all these clear cups that we had in the house, lipstick was getting onto those cups and they were getting really hard to wash in the dishwasher. And it's just like these mm. little details that you don't learn about in yeah. any podcast, in any book until you actually start running your business. And then you figure out like, oh, wow, we need to change that up because one dirty cup will lead you to a lower than five star review because someone's going to think your entire house is dirty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Let's dive a little bit into there. There's two things I want to talk about. Number one is what do you think is the premium you can charge compared to similar sized home that's not themed like, like yours. And then, yeah, let's start with that. Like, well, how, you know, you shared a little bit about the, how much you paid for the home. Like what, what's kind of like the nightly rate that you could charge compared to other properties in your markets? Yeah, so we average about $1,000 a night for our average daily rate, but our occupancy is about 42%. So that's because most of our bachelorette or girls trip, they typically book a Thursday through Sunday trip. Mm -hmm. So usually it's a three nights. That's usually how many days people can kind of get off to kind of gather a group of ladies kind of together for these bachelorette or girls trips. So we've been able to kind of command about average daily rate right around $1,000. And when you compare it to other non-bachelorette theme or non-family themed properties, 
I would say I've seen rates as low as $200 in the Scottsdale market. So it's a significant amount of premium. But to be honest with you, we've also heavily invested in furniture. There's nothing we got from Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist or anything, which is some of the strategy you hear out in the public and other podcasts about where you can save money in, in your entry costs. This is the this is purely like, hey, we bought the furniture specifically for this decor, for this theme, and you had to pay the premium for it. So we paid a lot for the furniture to make this happen. <laughs> yeah. You know, my concern with like expensive furniture is always like, how long is it going to last before you have to buy new ones? Yeah. Yeah. And we haven't had any issues where people have completely trashed the home. We've had like a bar cart probably fall apart, but we were able to kind of just order a replacement, send it to our cleaners, have our cleaner, clean company's handyman just build it and just bring it right back to the home. So it's really about having a strong team in that market. And we have about three cleaners, two backups for our primary cleaning company and also two backup handyman so that we always have something or somebody available to kind of fix any issues as they kind of come up. Yeah. The number one concern that I'm sure everybody has who's listening now and thinking about hosting these type of groups is, you know, how do you prevent them from what you just mentioned? How do you prevent them from doing damage to your home? But also, is there, you know, noise concerns? Like how, how do we make sure that, you know, people don't cause any problems with the neighbors and then, you know, police and all that stuff? Oh my God. So I'll tell you a really good story. But the first step is to do a really, really good job of screening your bachelorette groups or your girls' groups. Yes, because you can easily invite people that are underage into your home that might start drinking. You might invite some of the college students since we're really close by a university if you don't price your property correctly and don't screen them correctly. So there's a minimum rate that we will never, ever, ever draw below just so that we can prevent those issues. And then how we screen our guests is, and I learned this from my realtor, Nicole Patton, is we always ask a few questions. We always ask about, hey, how many people are coming? What do you guys have planned at the home? What do you guys have planned outside the home? And then just asking for like a general age range or like where they work and stuff like that. So with those four questions, we generally get a pretty good feel of like the group that's coming. And we generally try to pick the groups that have as much plan outside of the home as possible. Now, our home is still meant to be enjoyed by the entire group. Obviously, they have food days at our at our house. But in general, when you work with guests that are responsible, they generally have their whole weekend planned out. Because when you get a group of girls come, come together, you really need to figure out like, what are you doing each day? Who you, where are you going to go eat? Because you need to make reservations because you can't just walk in with a group of 10 10 people to any restaurant, especially if they're top performing restaurants. So by using those four questions, we have been able to basically screen out a lot of problematic guests. And then on top of that, we also ask for security deposit. So some folks will use our booking website to handle the, the security deposit, but we just ask for a security deposit through Airbnb and ask for a $750 security deposit that says, hey, this is very similar to a hold a hotel will put on your credit card when you check in so we can normalize that security deposit so that these guests don't feel like, oh, this is weird. But when you anchor it to something that they typically experienced before on the credit card hold at a hotel, then they're very comfortable with it. And really that security deposit is meant to be only enforced if like the police ever get called or there's like a big problem in there, but you just want someone to have something on the line in that group. Mm -hmm. 
that will stop someone from like jumping off of the table or something like that. Like yeah. you just want like a sound, reasonable, sane voice in there. Like, hey, let's let's probably not do that, right? So that we don't trash the home or something like because we did collect a spare deposit. So yeah. that's how we've been able to prevent a lot of problems. Do accurate screening, getting the security deposit, and just make sure you're like you are vetting your guests properly. And so here's a story I want to share with your listeners. We we've had had neighbors call the police to our home one time before for noise. And what happened was when the officer kind of came in, he gave me a quick call. And obviously, I'm super stressed, right? At this point, like, oh, no, the police is calling. And I, I just sincerely apologize. Like, sorry, officer. Like, I used to be an EMT. I know this is not a good use of your, your time or any of the city's resources. I would definitely let the guests know to kind of come back in. And thankfully, the guests were really responsive. And they were like, yeah, we'll bring it right back in. No problem. And that's part because we screened them very well. And the police officer actually told us that, hey, I honestly don't think they were being that loud. But if you can, can you please bring them back inside? I was like, absolutely, no doubt. And from that point on, we actually implemented a no music outdoors policy. Mm, And that was scary because I was like, I don't know what's going to happen to our bookings, right? We had a lot of cancellations. We had 30% of cancellations actually happened after we implemented that policy where we reached out to every single guest and said, hey, look, the police were just called. We want to be responsible hosts, good neighbors. So we're going to implement this policy. Complete understanding you need to cancel, but this is just something that we want to do to be responsible hosts in the city. Thankfully, everything we booked. So that's what taught me that when we raise our level or our standards for our guests, we can still be profitable and invite less problems. And since that day, we haven't had any issues mm-hmm. for the past like eight months uh, since we yeah. implemented the no means outdoors policy. So very gutsy to put that into your listing. But I think it's something for your listeners to consider if they have a listing that is really close by to neighbors and you have sensitive neighbors. Just do a no music outdoor policy. And chances are you're only going to be inviting people that don't care about blasting music. And there are plenty of those people in the world. So I'm sure you you come across it, some issues with neighbors, right? Like how do, how have you handled some of those problems before? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've been pretty lucky. Actually, the craziest thing we have ever had was uh was one of our guests got really drunk and then mistook the cabin that he was staying at for another one. Oh, so he was actually like trying to get into the wrong cabin, essentially, which which was interesting. It all ended well. It wasn't ended up being the guests were pretty chill about it. So, but I have two questions for you. Number one is I'm assuming you're not using instant book. Uh, we are not using instant book. We are vetting every single guest group that's coming to our home because we know how sensitive the neighbors are. And so it's just not worth it for us to go through the instant yeah. book. We want to make sure we vet them carefully and make sure that they are legitimate people and they're responsible. And they're, sure. and you're setting up those upfront expectations is so important. It's like letting them know, hey, we do have very sensitive neighbors so that there isn't a surprise when it comes, when it comes across or if we ever get a complaint from a neighbor would just kind of notify the the guests like, hey, we did have a noise complaint. Would you guys mind turning it down a little bit? And if you set that expectation way in the beginning when they first book, then they won't be as as offended or be as defensive when you ask them sure. to turn it down a little bit. And we do, we do have noise monitoring. We use noise aware after learning about them from your podcast as well to monitor the noise levels. But we just honestly haven't had a problem since the no music outdoors policy. Awesome. Well, you just answered my second question. I was going to ask you about the noise monitoring. And then my first question is, just going back to your security deposit, 
That's a common question that often comes up. It's like, how do you actually, how do you collect that? Yeah. So we simply request that money through Resolution Center on Airbnb and we request it about a week before. So we just make that request on Resolution Center. We message the guests like, hey, this is a security deposit that we talked about in the very beginning when we booked our property. But since we're a week away, we would like to request a security deposit before we send you the access code to the property. This is very similar to a hotel's hold when you check in at a hotel. This deposit is fully refundable unless there has been damages or house breaking or house rules and something like that. And they just pay it. And if they don't, mm-hmm. then we don't give out, we don't give them like the access code, right? But we've never had an issue with getting security deposit. And we never had an issue where we did not refund fully the security deposit. Mm-hmm. The only time we did not refund fully was if the guest left something behind and we just took some money out of that to send them back, like to overnight ship their laptop, as an example, that they left behind sure. or overnight ship like their glasses that they left behind. So that's pretty much it. Uh, it's a super straightforward process, but it's so important for your listeners to educate and anchor the reason and the rationale behind that security deposit so that sure. you have some assurances behind it. I'm curious. If you go through the resolution center and you charge the security deposit, does the Airbnb fee change? No, it's just like a resolution like pay. I think you're trying to make the guests whole. It just assumes that you're making each other whole. I think without an actual exchange of money, I don't think you make it real for the guests. So that's mm-hmm. why it's so important for us to take that money and then give it back. And we all do it within like seven hundred within seven days so that the guest never has to reach out for any money out of pocket. It just looks like they purchased something on the credit card statement and then it looks like they got a refund at the same time. Mm-hmm. So they never have to actually issue any extra money, which yeah. can be problematic when you have such an expensive booking for such a large. Yeah. Account. Yeah. Cause I'm just thinking like Airbnb calculates the fee over, over the booking amount. Right. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. if you increase that booking amount, does that make the fee go up or not? But just a random thought I had. Cool, man. So we've talked about pretty much everything. Yeah. Is there, is there anything that comes to your mind that you want to share that we haven't chatted about? Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping that I get to share a little bit about our affordable housing mission. And this is something that has really resonated with our guests where we've had, had guests mention like, Hey, we absolutely love your affordable housing mission. Like this is why we're booking with you. So for any of your guests or your listeners out there that are truly passionate about your own charity, your own philanthropic cause, you should mention that in your listing. And I think that's a much more impactful header than just saying five minutes to Scottsdale, 10 minutes to Old Town, whatever it is. I think if you can speak to people and they resonate with you a lot more, then you actually have a higher chance of connecting with your guests that are booking at your home. And this for us is it's what we're truly passionate about, right? I used to be an EMT and I used to make $12 an hour running around answering 911 calls. And I had to leave that job because it just wasn't paying rent. So this is why we're so, we care so much about the affordable housing mission. It's to give you some more context. I just went to the housing commission in San Diego County and the wait list right now is 12 to 15 years, 12 to 15 years. Imagine if you just had a kid, you're a new immigrant family in the United States and you're still trying to learn English and you just had a kid. And they told you, hey, it's going to be 12 to 15 years before you get into an affordable housing unit. It's like, that is way too late. If you're in a bad neighborhood with high crime, like your kid could end up in trouble and you're not going to be home enough because you're working so hard trying to put food on the table. And that's just a choice that no parent should ever have to make, especially if they're in these professions as like social workers, nonprofit employees, or EMTs, because we need more good people in this world. 
Because guess what? Like the, the reason we want to do and have a thousand long-term rental units for affordable housing for social workers is if these people just help one person an hour, which is on average what I did as an EMT, and we have a thousand of them, there's one in each home, we could be waking up every day helping 8,000 people. And those 8,000 people going to help another 8,000. And those 8,000 in the small word of art is going to help our kids, our grandkids, our great grandkids when we're not here. And this is why I'm so passionate about this stuff. It's like, this is the best present we can leave for the future generation and really change the world. So I hope that for your listeners, if they ever want to learn more about affordable housing, how to be a profitable landlord in this business model and still give a life-changing experience by providing a good home in a safe neighborhood with good schools for these families. We're truly going to change the lives of these kids. And these kids are going to grow up to be great human beings and they're going to make our world better. And they're going to help our kids and the future generations no matter what. And this is just so important to me. And I hope I can give some advice about affordable housing to your listeners in the future, because it's something I'm so passionate about because I came from affordable housing myself and I just know what it can do for any mm. family out there that is just simply trying to make it. And especially for the parents that are so that are working so hard, they just deserve a chance. And they're just trying to give it to their kids and pay it forward. So all the generational wealth that we're doing right now, I and my partners would love to kind of give the opportunity to another family. So mm. it's been awesome sharing that vision with you. And it's always like so humbling to know that some of our partners Wilson, Sharon, Bill, Anita, Julie, and Adrian, like these people have been friends with me since eighth grade. And they've all agreed to come on here and contribute to this investment because they know that this investment journey is not going to maximize returns because we know that there's not as much money to be made in affordable housing. But this is why it's a perfect blend in the portfolio. We get to make some money from our short-term rentals and use that to fund affordable housing so that it can be sustainable. So there's a very sustainable way to do this that you can still make some money and still do good for the world and for our kids. So yeah. I hope people will be open to this idea. And I would love to kind of be able to share some, um, debunk some myths about Section 8 or low-income housing so that people can understand like there is a way to be profitable about it and also not to invite a headache into your home that you're renting out. Well, first of all, I love I love your passion. I love your higher, the higher purpose of why you're doing all this really respect that yeah if you want to did you want to share some some or debunk some of those myths right now or oh sure yeah i can get right into it so one of your biggest myths about section 8 or affordable housing is you're inviting sort of gang members or drug dealers because these homes are generally in areas with high crime and just bad neighborhoods but that is not the case right now section 8 has been rebranded as the housing choice voucher program which basically means that you can now use that voucher and apply to rent at homes in affluent neighborhoods, good schools, low crime, like data communities with pools, like in Southern California example. And what this will allow you to do is some properties, you can look it up in your local municipality, your local like HUD or housing commission here in the US, and you can find out exactly what the government will pay in terms of the ceiling by bedroom and by zip code. That's all the government cares about. So if you're able to find a home, let's take Southern California, for example, a four bedroom property will rent for $6,440. If you as a low income family, you make $1,000, you have to pay 30% of that. So you would be paying $300 to rent a $6,400 home. Now, this is why it's so great. Because the demand is so incredibly high, you are able to 
use the product. So similar to your same principles in Airbnb, having a very nice home, nice product in good neighborhood, you can attract what we call is like the, the grade A or class A tenant that will take care of your home, not trash your home and not invite problems into your home. And by doing that, these people are actually most likely to stay in your home for 12, 15, 18 years so that it keeps your vacancy expenses very low. So that's one of your biggest expenses, right? When you're a long-term rental landlord, whenever someone moves out, you lose that whole month rent, two months rent. And if you're making only $200, $300 on a $6,000, $400 home, you could be negative cash flow with one turnover. So this is why it works so well because tenants in this in this program tend to stay much, much longer, five, 10, 15 years, because they want to be in a stable home so that their kids can go through the school system all the way to college and actually graduate. And another great tip I've learned from other leaders in this affordable housing space is you can screen your guests very, very effectively by going to their home right now and actually checking like, what is the condition of their home? Have they taken care of the inside of their home? And if they do, chances are, that's how they're going to treat your home when you are actually renting your your affordable housing unit to them. So right then and there, you can attract the highest quality tenant if you have a great home and great neighborhood. You can keep your vacancy expenses very, very low. And you don't have to worry about trashing people home because it's all in your screening process. The fundamentals are still the same. Just like Airbnb, you're screening your guests. You should also do the upfront work when screening your guests when it comes to letting anybody in. And this is the only way that I've found that you can cash flow in Southern California with a long-term rental. It's taking advantage of the government system that's put in place to help these people get these opportunities and then moving that into the private real estate investing space so that you can actually provide these opportunities. So those are some of the biggest myths. It's like, they're going to come trash my home. They're not going to pay rent on time. And even if they don't pay rent on time, the government's going to pay their portion rent on time. So your risk is a lot low and it's much, it's a very recession-proof investment. And I think it's a perfect complement to short-term rentals mm-hmm. so that you have lower cash flow, but you have monthly income that's coming in on time by the government and you balance it out with short-term rentals and then you can feel really, really good. And this way it actually gives you more courage to buy more short-term rentals when you have a few of these new properties. Like I know this money's going to come in, so I'm not afraid of investing a little bit more. So I hope people see the value in diversifying their portfolio with affordable housing. Uh, I think it's a very, very great complement to the short-term rental investment space. Awesome, man. Well, I'm sure there might be people who are uh, interested in learning more about this. Like, no, what's the best way for people to contact you? Yeah, they can find me right on Instagram. It's at Kent He. So at K-E-N-T underscore underscore He. That's two underscores. At K-E-N-T underscore underscore H-E. And they can feel free to DM me. I'm happy to give advice to people. No charge because I just want people to help solve this problem. If you think about how big of an issue affordable housing is, 12 to 15 years, that's a big, big demand. Yeah. And that's a big problem. And I can't solve this on my own. So I'd rather teach other people to do this because it's so important for, for the world that our kids are going to grow up in. So yeah. thank you so much, Jasper, for having me here. And thank you for yeah, letting absolutely. me do that. Yeah, no, I appreciate everything you do, man. And, and congratulations with, with your success. If people want to stay at your property, like how do they find it? Yeah, so they, they can find our listings where on Airbnb, but they can also reach our listings directly at our other Instagram dedicated for short-term rentals. It's at who you're with, that's W-H-O-Y-O-U-R-E-W-I-T-H, at who you're with. And we'll have links right in the Instagram profile so you guys can see the videos of property since we can't post videos on Airbnb, but the, the links will be directly linked to our Airbnb listings. Awesome. So for all those all the girls out there who want to go on a, on a fun girls trip, check it out on Instagram. Also, if you 
search on Airbnb um, for Le Soleil. So L-E and then space S-O-L-E-I, which means the sun in French. Yeah, correct. <laughs> that's our daughter's name. So she's one year old almost. Ah, but nice. we bought the property as my wife was pregnant and we decided to name the house after her. And it's just been incredibly, incredibly rewarding to kind of watch her grow up and yeah. see that the, the home named after her has been providing such awesome experiences for our guests. Awesome, dude. So Soleil in Scottsdale, Arizona, if you search for that in Airbnb, I'm sure these listings will pop up. So Ken, appreciate you coming on the show, man. This was really awesome. I learned a lot. So I'm really grateful and good luck with everything. And let's stay in touch. Yeah, let's stay in touch, Jasper. Thank you so much for this opportunity again. This has been life-changing. And thank you for what you do because your podcast has inspired me and so many others to kind of take the leap. So really, really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Have a good one. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Of course, Eric and I will be back on Friday. Eric is actually coming here to Panama today. So we'll have some fun stuff to share with you guys on Friday. So have a great week and talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you want to learn more about air hosting on Airbnb and building a short-term rental business, then go ahead and subscribe to our daily email newsletter at getpaidforyourpad.com. And if you're just starting out on Airbnb, make sure to download our free Airbnb starter guide at getpaidforyourpad.com forward slash get started. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening for a chance to win lifetime access to the Short-Term Rental Profit Academy, which is our starter course for anybody who wants to start hosting on Airbnb. So every month we select one reviewer at random and give that person access to the course. So thank you for listening. Check back every Monday for a new episode of The Host Show and every Friday for an episode of STR Conversations of the Get Paid for Your Pad podcast. Thank you and see you soon. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet.